The following For the City sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. All right. So, hey, if you've been with us for any time, we've been going through Luke since September, and we've seen over and over Jesus, this last section has been about his authority, okay? It's been a huge section, of course, but it's been much about his authority, his authority to cast out demons, his authority to heal, his authority to, to call people to follow him, like Peter, James, and John. Leave your stuff, you're going to now be fishing for men, and they go, right? But all along that, one thing we've also seen very clearly is his authority has much mercy in it, right? So much mercy. So you could have a God that has tons of authority, but no kindness, no mercy. Well, that's not Christ. Christ has, he's full of mercy, right? There was the one evening where they just kept coming to him as the sun went down and the Sabbath ended and he was healing. It said everyone. He's healing everyone. There was the leper, right, who no one had been near or touched probably in a very long time, and he heals and touches, right? You just see his compassion over and over. Hey, come on in, guys. Welcome. Um, and so throughout all of that, what we've been seeing is that Jesus, the la- where we left off, what we've seen was that there's, there's no way that we can take this new wine and put it into an old wine skin. There's just no way we can do the old religion and just add Jesus to it a little bit. Nobody would go buy a brand new garment, cut it out, and put a patch on an old one because it won't match, it won't fit, it will eventually shrink and it'll rip the thing apart. Jesus is saying, that's me. That's me. Now, the Pharisees are slow on the uptake, and we would be too. Don't think that we would have somehow figured this thing out. But Jesus is patient. And here's the thing. What he's doing, he's declaring that he's not come to reform their old religion. He's actually here to end it and to replace it with himself. That's what he's doing in all of this. So let's look once again, because the conflict continues this morning. So if you don't like conflict, sorry. I've got nothing else for you because that's what's in the text. Luke 6, 1 through 5. It says, on a Sabbath... While he was going through the grain fields, right? So Jesus has gone through the grain fields. His disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Pause. Who here, I know I'm older, so I lose a lot of this, although we have some folks probably closer to my age now today and more than normal. Who remembers Spy vs. Spy from Mad? Okay. A handful of you, okay? But they would just pop out of the, the craziest places. They're like, ha, caught you, right? Yeah, I can't help but see. What are the Pharisees? They're just hanging out in the grain field. They're just chilling. They're just waiting for Jesus to, to just mess up. Jesus and the boys, oh, they're eating. And there they go. And they're saying, why are you doing what's not lawful? And Jesus answered them. <laughs> he said, have you not read? Well, that's, you, depending how you understand that, that's very pointed. He's basically saying, guys, you, 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 you major in knowing the scriptures. But have you, have, you, have you never read? Of course they've read, right? Have you never read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and he took and he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat 
and also gave it to those who were with him. Uh, not going to get into this, but just know this. King David, who, although he wasn't technically king then, was running from King Saul. He was on the run, and he had some good men with him, and they had not ate for quite some time. They were very hungry. And so they go, and they, they're hoping to get some food, but there's none. There's none to be had. The only bread that is there is the bread of the presence, and they have 12 loaves, and they just keep rotating it. But the only people who get to eat, that's the priest. And the priests look at these guys, and they say, he says, listen, are you guys good men? Are you holy men? Right? You're not just like running from the law. No, we're, we're good men. We're holy men. Here then. And he gives them bread, and they take and eat it. That's a synopsis of what's happening. Why does Jesus bring this up? Some would say it's because it's on the Sabbath. But the Bible doesn't say that. That's the only problem with that. My guess is it's because Jesus wants them to know that the priest made a merciful call. He made a merciful call, right? He's, he's like, it makes no sense to have holy men here who don't get to eat holy bread. So I'll give you some bread, right? And then Jesus says this to them. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, he's picking a fight. He really is. See, the Pharisees, they're, they're working, by the way. Apparently, the Sabbath doesn't apply to them because they're working as sin sniffers, right? You ever met these folks? They're a good time. They're hoping to catch Jesus and the disciples doing something naughty, right? Hey, bad boy, bad boy, right? That's what they're doing. As they accuse them, listen, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Now, it wasn't that they were grabbing, you know, a snack, a trail mix, right, on the way. Because Deuteronomy would actually give provision to do that. Along the way, a traveler could grab some food on the margins of the field, right? So it's not that. What's the problem? The problem is that they're snacking while on the Sabbath. See, that's the Pharisees' problem. Whoa, wait, wait, guys. What are you doing? Sabbath. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about it today, but just know this. There's the creation account, right? God created in six days. Each day when he was done, he would observe all the work that, that he did through speaking and creation. He would say, this is good. At the end of it, he'd say, it's very good. It's beautiful. And then he would rest on the seventh day. Was it because God was tired? Say no. God doesn't get tired. Like Jesus got tired. Yes, Jesus is fully God and fully man. And in his humanity, he got tired. But God does not get tired. God doesn't need a nap, which is a really good thing. Because what would happen to this place if he's like, I was going to snooze for a little bit. You guys got it? <laughs> Right? He holds the world up by the word of his power. Right? There's, not a, there's not a bird that falls from the sky that he doesn't authorize, yes, it's time for you to drop. Right? So he doesn't need a nap. But, but what do we see here? We see that the law, okay, God is kind. He's giving man a rhythm. He's giving humanity a rhythm of work six days and rest. Remind yourself that you can rest because there's a God who's always at work for the, the benefit of humanity. Oh, what a beautiful thing. So you should. You should rest. And so to make sure that humanity would rest, uh, the law of God was directed, right? So the law directed that you would rest from work one day out of seven, okay? Now, now here, here's the deal. You're like, well, in America, we got Saturday and Sunday. I know. Why? Well, just real quick, it's because we couldn't agree on what the Sabbath day was, right? Jews say it's Saturday. Christians say it's Sunday because it's the Lord's resurrection. And they're like, hey, let's not fight. Let's just do two, right? Okay. 
Well, I see, I used to work for Radio Shack, and they were a very good Bible company. Not really. But they made us work six. And they're like, you get one day, and, and we're going to pick which one it is, and it's not going to mostly be Sunday. So we work six days. So if you ever work six days and you're like, man, this is terrible. Actually, that's God's design. We just get two because in America, we can't figure out which one it is. And it's like, hey, Mazel Tov, right? <laughs> so, but, 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 but don't miss this. There's such a beauty here, right? Be- because God in his kindness, he, he sets up a rhythm that he knows is best for humanity. And so he says to rest. And so even though that's beautiful, the religious leaders of that day, they couldn't handle that. They, they had to fence in the law. So the law was the Sabbath, to rest, one day out of seven, right? But they had to fence it in. They said, well, I can't really trust you with the Spirit and the Word of God, so we're going to help you out, right? So they came out with, listen, 39 observations in the Mishnah, which is just a, another little side book onto the Old Testament that's not authoritative. And they said, we're going to define to you what work actually is, which is, it's insanity, right? And so here's what's going on. They're reaping, they're harvesting, and they're eating a meal. You broke three rules. You broke three rules. And they got their checklist, right? They got their little number two pencil. And they are accusing the disciples of doing just that. Well, let's continue in the text, though. So on another Sabbath, right? Because Luke, he's, he's organized his, his writing in a way that he wants you to see this section as a whole. So he says, on another Sabbath, he entered a synagogue and was teaching. So Jesus, he enters in, he's teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, <laughs> right? They're there. They're not there to learn, by the way. Oh, let that be a warning to you. Don't ever go to a church so that you can observe and kind of spy in on people. You go to a church to worship Christ, right? If you're always there to say, I didn't like how they did that, hmm. I'd say you want to definitely bring your heart into alignment with Christ. You should be here to meet with God, right? So these guys, they're not there to do that. They're there to watch Jesus, to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Why? So that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, he said, come and stand here. (laughs) And he rose and he stood there. And Jesus asked them, he said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? By the way, this is pretty much Christianity 101. This is not a trick question. I mean, I'm hoping if I were to ask you that question, you should be able to say, yep, save life, do good. That's a great thing to do as Christians, even on the Sabbath, right? But look what they said. And after looking around at them all, so he's looking, he's waiting. Come on, you're the Pharisees. You're the teachers of the law. You know this thing inside and out. He's looking at every one of them. Do you have an answer? I mean, he probably said it way more kind than that. But he's looking, and it's crickets. It's crickets. I don't know. Hmm. This is a trick question. He's trying to get us. He looks around at them all, and he said to the man, he said, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. And look at their response. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. We know, we know from Mark's account, they actually want to kill him now. This is the moment. You did it now, boy. You messed with us. You embarrassed us in front of our people. You broke our rules. 
and we are now angry. What a sad space to be in. Man's withered hand, prunish doesn't work. Now it's filled with life. He can feel it. It functions, and they're mad. Oh, that's how ugly religion is. By the way, that's the second incident. What is, what's going on here? Well, they're questioning, what, is it lawful to do what you just did, Jesus? Right? This is the Sabbath. Now, now here's the deal. It's a tense scene because here's, here's what would have happened. Healing was fine on the Sabbath if it was a matter of life and death. So if someone's dying, you've got to make a judgment call. I don't know. I think they could probably bleed out for a while, but they're going to make it till sundown. Or at least sundown. Ah, we'll come back. Or you're like, no, this is now. Like, if we don't do something, we don't intervene, they're going to die. A withered hand? You've had a withered hand your whole life. You can certainly wait till Sunday. I mean, this is the insanity that they're saying. Don't, don't, don't heal the man. Don't help the man till the Sabbath is over. You need to rest, Jesus. Which is so funny because priests worked on the Sabbath and they never thought about that. They worked on the Sabbath. That's what they did. They worked, right? Okay, so here it is. And Jesus, he knows. He knows what's going on in their hearts and minds. Just like he knows what's going on in your heart, your mind, my heart, my mind, right? Like he knows and he sees it. And instead of shying away from it, he goes right for their heart. He said, well, let me ask you a question. Is it okay if I heal this man? He's not asking permission. He wants to show your theology's whack. It's whack. You're not picking up what I've been laying down. I promise you, you better read again. Uh, And trust me, if you've walked with the Lord long enough, you've probably been there. You've been there. You're off center, right? None of us have perfect theology. None of us understand Jesus infinitely and beautifully. We're always having our heart hopefully aligned to the heart of God. Well, this is what he's doing. He's actually doing a kind thing to them, even though they may not see it that way. So this case wouldn't have reached the level of emergency in their eyes, right? They would have, they would have been very angry at him, as we see. So, so just think about this, right? Because the Sabbath is about restoring the diminished. It is, right? It's about replenishing the drained, right? You've worked six days. You're exhausted. Take some time. Remind yourself that you have a God who's with you, who's for you, who's Who's, he's the one who causes the grain to grow, right? Yeah, you put the seed in, you might water it, but here's the deal. I'm the one who causes it to grow, so you can go and you can take a nap, right? It's about repairing the broken, but not, that's not what it's become in this moment at that time, right? To heal, to enjoy a snack, to heal this man's shriveled hand is to do exactly what the Sabbath was all about, and the Pharisees missed it. The, the religious leaders of that time were so blinded by their, their self-religious Sabbath rule-keeping and regulations that, that they actually kept people from food. Think about that for a minute, right? They kept people from healing, right? And, and you want to talk about, this is an example of missing the forest because you're stuck on a tree. And they think they're doing God's work. Their, their hearts are so shriveled. Their, their, their hearts are more shriveled than this man's hand. And that's what religion does. It's exactly what it does. They're insecure. They're angry, right? They're anxious all about their religious regulations. They're very tribal, right? You're not doing it the way we would do it. They're judgmental. <sighs> and we got to be careful because if we're not careful, we'll start to think them and that's never us. But Jesus is here to correct our thinking too. Because we've got to get back to the heart of the gospel. See, Jesus shows in these encounters 
that there's two radically different ways of approaching God, right? Here's the first one. One approach is we're going to just going to title it religion, right? There is a true religion that's good, James talks about. That's not what I'm calling this, right? This is a religion that's way off the reservation of the gospel, right? So one approach is religion, which is fundamentally about rules and regulations, what we do, right? The other is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and it begins and ends with news. And here's the news. Christ has done it. <laughs> big difference. Boy, big, big, big time difference. So first point, religion's all about working in order to achieve an identity, which leads to pride, despair, and ultimately slavery. So that's, that's in your map. If you don't know what I mean, that's okay. See, most people in the world believe that if there is a God, you relate to him by being good right? Um, most religions, by the way, are based on that principle. Therefore, this is how the logic goes. I want you, because I want you to see the logic so you don't fall for it. So I don't fall for it, right? So God, here, here's their logic. God commanded the Sabbath be kept holy. He did. Amen. So how does one keep the Sabbath holy, they would ask, right? Then, then they would say, by not working. Okay, now, now here's where it's slippery. And this is where it goes. That leads to the next question. What's the next question that they would ask? What qualifies as work? Oh, you're in danger. You're in danger land, right? Now, if you're asking for yourself, that's a good question. This is where they go wrong. This is where they get in trouble. Because they, religious folks can't live with ambiguity, right? The shirt's got to go down to your fingertips. Well, what if you have arms that go to your ankles? <laughs> right? Like, what if you have really short arms? Right? It's just insanity, but you start making all these rules up, all these regulations, because they can't handle ambiguity. We must know. So they keep, they're, they're not, it's not that they're not biblical, they're extra biblical. They just keep writing rules. Right? I'm all about the Bible. For the city church is all about the Bible. If we know that, that God commands, thou shall not, thou shall, we're going to shall not and we're going to shall. By the best of our ability, by the power that God gives us by his spirit. We want to obey Jesus Christ. Why? Because we know that's where life is found. But what we're not going to do, or, or if we do, we're going to repent of it quickly. We're not going to go and just say, well, Jesus says this, and let me tell you exactly what that means when it comes to a Netflix series. You should never watch PG-13 Netflix unless Jesus is being beaten and crucified in it. Then it's okay. It's, it's, it's insanity. It's insanity. You don't get to be everyone else's Holy Spirit. Oh, you like to, though, right? I'm not saying you personally, although if the shoe fits, wear it. You like to because it makes you feel better about you. Because what you're doing is you're able to look down at them and say, did you know they watch Netflix? First off, like that's owned by Satan. Second off, second off, I looked at their playlist. They had a rated R one. Tiss, tiss. Now listen, if you never want to watch a rated R Netflix and you think that's wisdom, then I say never watch rated R Netflix, never watch Netflix. I don't care. It's when you start applying that to everybody else because you don't trust them with God. That's a problem. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. It's all, it's all about control. And Jesus, you're breaking our rules, now we're going to break you. And that's what we have here. So they're extra biblical. One writer said this, 
the gift of the Sabbath looks too good to be true. Why would God want to do something so utterly kind? So we look for some meanness in the graciousness of God, and we find none. So we impose our own. It's, it's exactly what's happening here, right? Let, let me just, I'm going to drive home one more thing. I want you to see how re- ridiculous religion is in that setting. And then you can apply it in your own minds how it might work out here. In the Mishnah, like I said, there's 39 books, or 39, I'm sorry, regulations to help you understand how to obey that particular law, okay? And so work was forbidden. So no sowing, no reaping, no making two loops. One's cool, apparently. (laughs) Weaving two threads, uh uh-uh. Separating two threads, nope. Tying a knot, loosening a knot, sewing two stitches, no, no, no. And I, I think about Lily. She likes to sew in things. I'm like, well, what if she really enjoyed that? And it was restful for her and she could think about Jesus. Nope. So one rabbi heard this and thought, this is ridiculous. And he's right. So this is, this is what he said. One would not be guilty if he could untie the knot with one hand, though. <laughs> that is the right response. Do you, do you see the ridiculousness? Like, well... But what if they can untie it with one hand? Well, then their left hand's resting. That's, that's apparently fine. See, in their passion to protect the law, they, they, don't, they don't see the law properly, right? And so they don't actually set anybody free. They continue to enslave them. They continue to enslave them. They ratchet down on people even tighter. The Sabbath was a gift to man. Jesus actually said, this Sabbath wasn't made for me. It was given to, to humanity. And you've made it an ugly thing right now, right? And so they have no power to heal. They, have, they can only deal out death and despair. Could you just imagine being in this fun buster party? Hey, ho, I think you used two hands there. <laughs> Religion of this sort, by the way, doesn't bring life. It steals life. And I've been in homes that, man, they say they love Jesus, and I just, it's suffocating. I've seen it. I've seen it. Just think about it. No snacking. No healing. No. 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 And here's Jesus. Guys, you're hungry. Grab a grain head. That's threshing. It's cool. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. (laughs) Oh, you see why they're mad. See, most people don't argue about the Sabbath today, right? Let's be honest. When's the last time you had a good old vibrant discussion about the Sabbath? <laughs> if anything, actually, I would say our, our, the church, the church as a whole needs to grow in what it is, what it is not, what it means, and how to embrace the gift more. That's what I would say within our current day and age, Okay. However, I got to say, even though we don't talk about the Sabbath, the Pharisaical spirit's very alive and well. It's kicking all throughout the country and all throughout the world. I've been there. I've seen them. Um, Let's take two examples. Because I thought, how do we apply this in a sense, or how do we think about this in a sense that might make sense to us today, right? Um, Take education of children, for example. Oh, hot button, right? (laughs) By the way, I'm all for educating children. You should do it. And you should be involved in it, okay? And, and you should be very engaged in it. That's, that's if you want a, a thought, there's my thought. Where, where it gets a little bit crazy is 
Some Christian circles would say that if you love Jesus, if you love your kids, you would never send them, and they'll fill in the blank. So you, you got to do Christian school only. Now, if that's your own conviction, I think that's good. By the way, I've done the gambit. We've totally messed our kid up, right? We did homeschooling. We did Christian schooling. She's now in public school. We've done them all just to make sure we checked all the boxes and say, you know. So we're not against any of those. There's a time and a season, and you have to know your child and know what's best to be able to do what is right the best you can with the wisdom God gives you, right? So is Christian school good? Could be, might not be. You have to make that decision. But what you don't get to do is make that decision for everybody else and say, well, we are a homeschool church. If I ever hear that here, I'm going to gently, kindly rebuke you because you can love Jesus and send your kid to other things. But if you want to homeschool, great. We want to support what you're doing, how God's leading you, and how God's leading your family. That's what we're trying to do, okay? That, if you don't agree with that, well, we'll not see you again. Peace out. Take teenage dating for an example. This is another hot topic. It's only okay if it's titled courting. I don't even know what that means. Jesus saved me at 23. By the way, I'm not trying to... What I'm trying to do is see, we got blind spots too. I'm not trying to do a spectacle here. This isn't circus time with Scott. I'm trying to shine light on blind spots that we might have. Okay? So, so take Christian dating, courting. I never heard that word. I thought it was like an Amish thing. I, I became a Christian and I was now working with the youth and they're like, make sure that you, you know, talk about courting. I'm like, what? Kiss dating goodbye? What? I don't even understand any of it. Maybe I needed to grow. Maybe I needed to learn. But once again, if you want to figure that out for your home, do that. What you don't get to do is do that for every other home. Is there, are there biblical principles of purity and good things? Yes. Yes. But you don't get to decide it for everybody. Could you encourage? I would say if you have relationship there, but what you shouldn't do is just run around to everybody that you don't know and tell them how bad they're doing right? This, this is what religion does. It's, see, it's a fine line. In religion, the purpose of obeying the law is to assure that you're right with God. That's really what it's about. You're doing the right, you want to do it just right. It has to fit in this box. Why? So that God will approve of me. So he'll think I'm good. And by the way, when you're doing all the things right according to your code, guess what? You feel great about yourself. Aren't I awesome, right? But guess what? You can't maintain your awesomeness at all. So what happens is you fail. And then guess what happens? Oh, woe is me. I screwed up again. I can't believe this. Because all you're thinking about is what you do. That's religion. That's religion. If you've been around the church, and I mean the church, not just this church for any amount of time, then you've been blindsided by this strange conduct and code. If I perform, if I obey, then maybe I'll be accepted. Anybody? Yeah, a lot of head shaking, no hands raising. That's okay. Um, most of us, most of us, this world works and works and works to try to prove themselves. To try to prove themselves to God, to try to prove themselves to others, to, to basically prove we're, we're basically good people. We work hard to do that. By the way, that's religion. It's religion. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's kind of like Nike and Jesus had a baby, and they called it, just do it. Just do it right? But the problem is, you can't. See, religion, religion sucks. 
It sucks the life out of you. It sucks the life out of, it sucks joy out of your life. It sucks joy out of the relationships you have. And it just continues to grind you. But here's the thing. Jesus hasn't come to suck life from you. Jesus has come to give you life abundantly. He's come to set captives free, right? He's not a cosmic killjoy, right? He really does desire for you to enjoy life with him, to receive from him, which is point two. Jesus, the Son of Man, is the Lord of the Sabbath. See, what a kind, merciful God to command our rest. I'm all about that. Take a nap. Okay. Yes, Lord. Right? (laughs) Get a sandwich. I got you, Jesus. Right? Like, when God calls us to rest, what he's, he's calling you to take physical time off of work. That is true. Physical and mental, right? Regular, true enough. That's for sure. But if but we could be honest, life is still hard, right? Can I get an amen? Right? It's just hard. Life is very difficult, even with that rhythm, right? There's so much that makes us feel weary. Uh, and here's just a handful, right? Vocational labors right? Work can give energy. It can be a joy, but there are times where it's like a shot back to the soul, man. It just sucks it right out of you, right? <laughs> Marriage, it's a joy, but, but, but it can, it's labor intensive. At times, it's just, it, it can be very exhausting at times, right? Um, parenting labors, ministry labors, relational conflicts, lingering illnesses, sudden, like severe, almost everything we do has the ability to exhaust us, right? You might be coming into 2023 very tired. And here's the thing. There's no new series on Netflix or Amazon or anything else. No endless scrolling, right? Um, No change in location, no change in vocation, no vacation that's going to replenish you the way that your soul needs. I'm talking soul for the rest for the soul, See, you could take 50 naps today, but if your soul is just not at peace with God and not resting in the gospel, you are going to wake up tired. And there's no amount of coffee going to fix it. You can burn out your adrenal glands all day long, and it, it won't matter. You're still going to be tired. You're still going to be worn out. See, see, the word Sabbath actually means deep rest. I think like of a bear, hibernation, right? Um, it means deep rest. It means deep peace. As a matter of fact, the synonym that's very close for it is a word you may have heard, shalom. Shalom. I love that word, right? Because it's a state of wholeness. It's flourishing in every dimension of life. That's what Sabbath rest means. So when Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, here's what he's saying. I am your shalom. I am your rest. Oh, that's beautiful. He's the source of deep rest that we need, right? He, he has come to completely change the way we rest. So you don't have to work for an identity. I'm going to adopt you into the family and you'll have an identity. You can rest in that. I've done it all, son, right? Like, let's just have a party, right? Let's just get the fattened calf and let's get you, you need to rest, receive, This is the Christ we worship. The one day a week rest that we take is just a shadow. The true substance is actually Jesus, who is divine rest. He's the divine rest that we need. Jesus is the source of real rest. This is why in certain seasons of life, 
You may not even take a day. I'm not saying you should should do that, but you just may be running. The clip doesn't even allow for it. Life is just crazy. You got someone in the hospital. You're working this job. You're doing that. You're doing everything you can to tread water and keep your head above it, right? And still, the Lord can just fill your cup in that moment. He just can. And then there's times where that season slows down, and now you can reflect on how his grace carried you. Just carried you through because seasons work like that. This is why Matthew, um, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, he says, listen, he says, come to me. Picture Christ right now in whatever season of life you're in. You could be so weary. I don't know. You might be just killing it, though. You might be doing awesome and you're not tired at all. You're ready for 2023. You got your gym membership. You did some Pilates, right? <laughs> I know it's not Pilates, I just thought, I'm getting corrected by all the, you know, it's more like this, you know. And Anyway, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. This is way more than work, by the way. If you understand the context of, of Matthew 11, it's way more than work here. It's, it's, it's working out your righteousness. He says, come to me, all who labor and are you're heavy laden. You're so exhausted. You're so weary. Getting out of bed is just going to be so hard. He says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you. Right? Learn from me. He says, and then he tells you, for I'm gentle. <laughs> you ever thought, what's, what's our God? Like, he's gentle. And lowly in heart. And listen, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. By the way, this is the sweetest invitation ever. Because only in Christ can you find the Sabbath that your heart truly longs for. Only in Christ can you find true peace, true rest, true restoration, true communion. So gentle. Come. Take my yoke. Oh, that sounds, I'm going to hitch my wagon to you? Yeah, but, but I'm gentle. I'm not going to drag you around. I got you. We'll, we'll go at a pace you can handle. And by the way, I'm going to burden all the weight. You just walk with me. Just learn. I'll teach you how to rest. I'll teach you how to receive. And because of his great compassion, and because of this beautiful invitation of the gospel, we we do. We get to receive the God who sent Jesus to save sinners from the weary task of getting right with him. You and I can't. See, So here's the thing. Look at the three precious sentences again. Spend time looking at it today. The Sabbath Savior, right? That's really who Christ is. Shows us that he he comes mercifully to meet the needs of his people. Learn from me. What am I learning? How to rest. How to receive. How to abide. You know, there's a real popular thing right now. You pick a word of the year. Anybody? I did it last year. It's all right. I'm going to pick on you, but I'm going to pick on me because I did too. All right? Now, we don't take ourselves too serious. So if you're like easily offended, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to, but it's just fun just to point these things out. So my wife's like, hey, let's, let's do the word of the year thing last year. I'm like, oh, these things are so corny. They really are. But I love my wife, so I'm going to do the thing. So I'm like, okay, what's this thing going to look like? The word I chose last year was abide. And if, if she makes me do this game again, which she hasn't told me. You know what I'm going to choose? I'm going to choose abide. I'm going to choose rest. I'm going to choose receive. I'm going to choose Sabbath. One of those words. Put them in a jar, shake it up, pick one. 
And I'm going to focus on that. You know why? Because that's not how I wake up and go about my day ever. I never wake up thinking, time to just receive. I'm like, time to get it done. It's our default. Our default as humans is works righteousness to make God love us. Boy, that's, that's not the gospel. See, Jesus' great desire is that we find rest in him. Because he he's the only one who can give it. That you just be a receiver. That you abide. Right? That's the third point. Gospel is all about receiving in order to rest in our identity. Which leads to humility, leads to joy, leads to ultimate freedom. Real freedom. Freedom to obey. Freedom to walk humbly with your Lord. That's freedom. Right? So it's a new year. 2023. So we start every new year thinking what? This is the year. I, I, some of you guys, I hate doing this to you because you're like, I did say that. That's okay. <laughs> you know, we resolve to turn over a new leaf. And by the way, some of these things are fine. I'm, I'm just kind of picking. Right? This time, though, we're serious because we've all done the New Year's resolution before. But this time, this year, this is the one, right? We promise ourselves that we're going to quit. We're going to finally quit the bad habits and start some good ones, right? That's probably a good idea. We're going to get in shape. We're going to eat better. We're going to waste less time. We're going to be more content, more disciplined, more intentional. I feel my anxiety going up. We're going to be better husbands. We're going to be better wives. We're going to be better fathers, better mothers, better friends. We're going to pray more, serve more, plan more, give more, read more, memorize more Bible verses. We're going to finally be all that we can be. No more messing around. 2023 is the year. New year, new me. Woohoo! Right? You ever done that? You know you have. Quit lying. Lying's a sin, right? Like, and then in 12 minutes, 12 days, 12 months, we realize we have fallen short again. Well, that doesn't mean you don't set a goal. It doesn't mean you don't strive, right? I'm not saying that at all. Please don't hear me wrong. Here's the thing, though. And, and this is, if, if you don't hear anything else I'm telling you, listen to this today. What makes us most weary, it's not the things we do. It's the things we believe. And if you don't get that, I hope you'll think about that today. See, you can take all the vacations in the world, but if you don't have deep rest of the soul, resting in what Christ has done for sinners upon the cross, you'll not truly rest. You'll not truly rest. He, Jesus has lived the life you and I could never live perfectly. <laughs> Obeyed mama, dada, perfectly. Right? Sabbath rest, perfectly. He obeyed the law, perfectly. Loved every person he ever came in contact with, perfectly. Never broke one iota. Not an ounce, not a little bit of the law ever. He's sinless. Lamb of God. And he's done it all in his life. He's lived the life you should have lived. He's lived the life I should have lived. And because he's the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world, he's died the death that you and I deserve to die. He, he is the Lamb of God. He went to the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. So you and I are all sinners. 
We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ, in his kindness, he became sin in our place. And so his perfect life, and he takes our sinful wreck of a life. He receives the punishment that we deserve. We receive his righteous, perfect record, and it's a gift. You receive it by grace. He just gives it to you. You just you say, thank you. You don't have to say, just receive. You just receive. Now, all the wrath of God has went upon Jesus Christ, and all the benefits of what it means to be a perfect son is now yours by faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ alone, by faith. And so you have gift righteousness. You have perfect account. It's, listen, it's finished. He's not finished with you. He's still conforming you to be more like his, his son. But justification, the, the gavel has been banged. You are as innocent as Jesus Christ in the courtroom of heaven by just trusting in Jesus, by believing in him. That's deep rest. So no matter what the world looks at you when they scour at you and think that you don't measure up, Christ has measured up perfectly for you before God. Now you have access to the throne room of heaven. You, you get to go to God who is your father, and he delights in you. He delights in you. Is it because you're loving? No, it's because Christ's sacrifice has made you lovable. Perfectly lovable. And he does. He enjoys you. That's why he came. That's why he came. And so he says, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll teach you what it means to rest. See, on the cross, Jesus experienced the restlessness of the separation from God so that you and I can have deep rest. That's what he's done. And we can deep, have deep rest knowing that he loves us. He loved us while we're weak, ungodly sinners. Of course he loves you now that you've received him and have been adopted into the family. How much more would he love you now? Right? And so, know this. God's love for you is, his approval of you, is, it's all in Christ. And you're trusting in him. And so now you have it if you have faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't ride on your resolve to love Jesus perfectly. Oh, that's exhausting, right? The gospel is the good news announcing that Jesus' unfailing devotion to us despite our constant failing in him. That's the gospel. So, family, friends, guests, as the new year gets underway, take comfort knowing this. You're weak. He's strong. You're fragile, right? I know Christmas is almost over. He is not fragile, right? He's strong. He's a mighty tower that you can run into and find shelter in your time of need. You're, you're limited in every shape, in every form, and he is limitless. And even though our love and devotion fall short of Jesus, his love and devotion for you will never fall short. His love never fails. It's eternal. So I'm going to finish with a little reading, and then I'm going to pray. Uh, Dick Lucas, don't expect you to know him, but he's a British preacher. He once preached a sermon in which he recounted an imaginary conversation between an early Christian and her neighbor in Rome. Right? Ready? Story time. Ah, uh, the neighbor says, I hear you are religious. Great! Religion's a good thing. Boy, have times changed. Where is your temple or holy place? Well, we don't have a temple, replies the Christian. Jesus is our temple. Hmm. 
no temple. But where do your priests work and do their rituals? We don't have priests to mediate the presence of God, replies the Christian. Jesus is our priest. No priest, but, but where do you go to offer sacrifices to acquire the favor of God? Well, we don't need a sacrifice, replies the Christian. Jesus is our sacrifice. What kind of religion is this, sputters the pagan neighbor. And the answer is, it's no kind of religion at all. Happy New Year. It's otherworldly. Get to know this Christ. Man, if you want to make a New Year's resolution, decide to know him and nothing else. And rest. <laughs> Sabbath. Enjoy him. Receive him. Love him. Seek to love those around you. And when you fall short, remind yourself he never did. Ask for forgiveness and keep seeking to love. That's it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful rest that, that we still just, man, we, we still don't understand. Help us understand. Help us to receive. Help us to see. Help us to rest in your beautiful perfection. Help us to be receivers. Abide in you. And as you abide in us, Lord, cause our hearts to just settle its pace upon your perfection. And our endless striving to measure up, can we just be reminded over and over, you've measured up for us. God, I pray that this year would be a year that, that your people here in For the City, and I mean anywhere, would just come to know you and know of your love more fully, more profoundly, and that from that overflow, we might love the people in our lives more. We ask in Christ's beautiful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.